After severe weather barrels through a town and destroys everything in its wake, there are stories of survival and perseverance. But then these communities are tasked to rebuild. But are they rebuilding correctly? Are the new homes being built going to keep the owners safe? Or do they have to experience the terror of severe weather over and over again? There has to be a better way. Well, a company called IBHS is working towards that goal. They are working towards a new fortified standard that is changing the way we build. And we have Fred Malik here to talk about it. Fred, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. It's good to be with you, Dr. Shepard. Thank you. Well, I'm, I want to get all into what IBHS is because I referred to it in the intro as a company, but I'm not sure if it's really a company or an institute. We'll learn all about it. But before we do that, I'm going to start with the, the question I ask every Weather Geeks guest. Are you a weather geek? And if so, how'd you become one? Yeah, I, I would say that I am a weather geek kind of by association and, and out of necessity. Uh, I Here at IBHS, we have a ton of meteorologists, and, and what we do is studying the impacts of weather on the built environment. So by, uh, by association, uh, I, I'm a weather geek. And, and also as a builder for nearly two decades, uh, the weather impacted my normal production schedule as well as, you know, severe weather disrupting uh, our, our production and, and helping our homeowners recover was always something that became a priority. So, yeah, I'm definitely a geek. Well, we, we embrace all geeks because we know that weather, as you noted, it touches so many aspects of our daily lives. Let me give you a little background on Fred Malik. He's the manage, managing director of Fortified at IBHS. And in case you don't know what IBHS stands for, we're using a lot of acronyms here. Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety. So uh, it really is a we're going to learn all about it today, but we have a lot of ties to uh, IBHS, shout out to Sarah Dillingham, who used to work on this Weather Geeks podcast, who I know is now there as well. Uh, he has worked most of his career in the home construction and business operations therein, has an MBA in management from Virginia Tech. So I think this is going to be a really interesting discussion today because one of the things that I've been seeing in recent years to decades with the sort of tornadic activity, hurricane activity, there's been a lot of discussion about this very issue. So Give us the 101, first of all, on what IBHS is, and then, then I'd be curious about what Fortified is. Sure, yeah. So IBHS is a 5013C. We're a nonprofit. Uh, we're a building science and research organization. Essentially, we do with buildings what IIHS does with cars. We are funded by our, our member companies, which happen to be property insurers and reinsurers, but we have a um, uh, an ability to, in our uh, test chamber up in uh, Richburg, South Carolina, we have the ability to build full-size houses or, or structures and subject them to things like 130-mile-an-hour winds, um, what wind-driven rain scenarios of up to eight inches of rain per hour, hail scenarios, and wildfire. So it gives us a, a really unique way to understand how, how buildings interact with the weather. Well, I've got to geek out there. I've got to stop you right there because I, I knew what you did, but I'm sure our listeners and viewers would like to know how do you simulate these uh, tornadic or hurricane winds or rain-driven storms? And I'm very curious about fires. I, I didn't even know you did that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, we do. And, and so the the winds, I want to be, make sure that because we may be talking to a bunch of geeks, uh, you know, we, we can't do the, the rotation of, say, a tornado, but we can simulate pretty accurately uh, wind records that we've captured during hurricanes uh, inside our, our facility, which is really a, a large uh, airplane kind of hangar uh, building. 
there's 105 fans at one end. Uh, they're six foot in diameter, 350 horsepower apiece, and they allow us to generate up to 130 mile an hour winds. But each one of those fans can be independently controlled so we can actually vary the velocity of the wind. We have some wind vanes in front of the the uh, the fan outlet where we can change the, the way the, the wind attacks at a building. And, and when we set a building in the chamber, we can rotate it 360 degrees. So we can, we don't just have to blow straight line winds in one direction. We can rotate the house so that, or, or the structure so that we can simulate it coming from multiple directions over a period of time. So it's really kind of cool in that respect when it comes to the, to the wind. And from a wildfire perspective, since, you know, you, you talked a little bit about that. We have these uh, ember generators where we can burn fuel sources, create embers, and introduce them to the wind field, and then blow those embers, uh, just like a, a, a naturally occurring ember shower, on the structure that we're testing, uh, and understand, you know, what the mechanics look like. How, how does the how do they accumulate? Where do they where do they start to, to intrude on the building and pose a risk? It's pretty pretty neat. Stuff. So what? Are- yeah, and that, that 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 makes sense to me. What about the rain? I mean, I, I guess you just introduce some type of water source to those those winds that you generated that you discussed earlier. Yeah, so we have nozzles. We spent at the when we were developing the the research center, which opened in two thousand and ten. We spent a lot of time researching the nozzles that we wanted to use so that we could vary droplet sizes again to get as close to a realistic scenario as we possibly can. And so we have nozzles that are. Uh, spread at a specific interval so that they can introduce that rain into the wind field and then let the you know let the wind carry the wind on, or carry the rain onto the building. Talking with Fred Malik of IBHS and you know I wanted to kind of dig more into what fortified sure. standard means, but I'm, I'm I'm sufficiently curious to know because you talked a little bit about your background. Just I want to know about your sort of career trajectory that brought you to IBHS? Yeah, uh, real briefly, um, I started out as a, uh, a young superintendent for a national home builder and, and learned how to build houses literally from the ground up and from the inside out. Um, you know, worked uh, about 15 years for that home builder and went through all the different stages of, of sort of career development from superintendent to uh, site manager to uh, costing and estimating sales and then into um uh, staff management uh, positions. And, and uh, uh, I happened to move to Florida. I, I was recruited to Florida to to join a home building operation. It was centered here after the 05 hurricane season. And, and you know, there were several landfalling storms during that uh, that season in Florida. And one of my one of my roles was to help the company deal with the warranty impacts of uh, of those storms, and then also get us back on track from a production perspective. And that's when I first met IBHS. The company I had joined uh, had a um, had an, uh, a connection to IBHS, and I learned about the Fortified program there. And a few years later, I, I happened to be, you know, uh, looking for another opportunity. And, and IBHS said, hey, we're going to we're going to make some changes to the Fortified program and we're looking for somebody to carry it forward. And it just, uh, you know, gave me the opportunity to join the organization full time. And so that's what I did. So when we come back from the first break, we're going to dig into what the Fortified program is. 
Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Fred Malik about the IBHS activities and how it's related to weather. And I'm very familiar with this organization myself. I mentioned one of our former Weather Channel colleagues is now there. Um, uh, a colleague, Roy, who I work with, I think it's Roy Wright is his last yep, name. Uh, uh, I just know him as Roy because we're working together on a couple of projects for the National Academies. Uh, very closely tied to the weather enterprise. So I'm really, uh, it's really awesome that we have you on the podcast today on Weather Geeks. You've mentioned Fortified a couple of times. So what is the Fortified standard? Yeah. So, you know, IBHS has been doing uh, post damage assessments and the types of science that we talked about uh, prior to the break were in our research facility where we are looking at, at how buildings uh, interact with the weather and how they come apart. We, and we've been developing strategies for how to mitigate that or, or eliminate those avoidable losses. And so as we have accumulated that the, those sort of best practices, we figured out that we needed a way to get that out to the building public in a, you know, in a, in a useful way. You know, if we, if we write all these things in papers and stuff, that's great in, in some circles, but you know, that doesn't necessarily get to guys like me who, who used to build for a living. And, and so uh, we, we made the decision to, to package them up in the fortified standard. And, and we organized the fortified standard around the science. Uh, and we created three separate levels. So fortified has fortified roof. That's the entry level. Every fortified home in the United States, and there's now over 50,000 of them, every fortified home in the United States has a fortified roof. And then depending on where you're located, whether you're on the coast or you're inland, uh, silver and gold are the next two levels. And we're, we're looking at things like addressing openings. Um, openings are, are a pathway for, air, for the wind to get into the, to the house and, and cause potentially significant damage. It's a, a common damage amplifier. So openings like windows and doors and garage doors become the focus at silver. And then gold, we're looking at something called the load path. And that's a set of connections that connect the roof to the walls, the walls to the floor, and the floor to the foundation. And that old adage that, you know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link really holds true when it comes to, to buildings. Uh, and so we look to make sure that there's a strong connected chain all the way down through the building. So those are the three levels that Fortified has. And, you know, there's a building code that, that model that sits out there that ICC develops called the International Residential Code. And the code is, is, is a wonderful tool. And you can have a really good code or you can have a really good standard like Fortified. But if you're not enforcing it, if you're not following up to make sure people are, are, are implementing it correctly, then you're not likely to get the same result that you're after. And so Fortified also includes a third-party verification component where we work with locally trained um, uh, evaluators that come from building trades or come from the uh, home inspection field or design professional fields. We train them to be evaluators. They collect data. They submit that to, to my team. And then my team reviews each and every file. And we confirm 
that the, uh, the standards have been met and we send out a certificate. And that certificate then can be used by homeowners, builders, roofing contractors as a, as a verification of compliance. And that can unlock incentives like insurance incentives. It can increase, you know, be a, used to demonstrate the, an increase in value of the home. Uh, and, and above all, it, it's a great way to have peace of mind that you know that your home has these features built into it. So when I was in graduate school at Florida State University, it was right around the time of Hurricane Andrew. Sure. And I remember my doctoral advisor there at the time talking about how this was going to change some of the building codes and building standards in the state of Florida. First of all, is that true? I believe it is. And also, where are there still deficiencies in building codes from your perspective? Yeah, I think that uh, well, certainly uh, '94 and, and Andrew was a was a you know watershed event, no pun intended. But and I happen to have a very personal experience with Andrew myself. I was uh, in the Florida Keys. Uh, we were on the last plane evacuated out of Miami, uh, and we had family in the Miami area, so we were on the first plane uh, back in and. I had never, uh, I was still living up in the, in the Washington, D.C. area at the time, and I had never seen such devastation before. And, uh, and you know, a, a town that I was very familiar with was completely flattened and, and had a hard time navigating from the airport to get to where we needed to be. So that was really an eye-opening moment for me. But uh, getting back to the question about, uh, you know, building codes, yes, uh, 94 uh, prompted a, a, a lot of, of changes in the building code really focused at the building code in Florida in particular on uh, engineering-based principles um, and uh, also enforcement. And the other thing that that Hurricane Andrew did was because it was such a large format disaster, it gave local stakeholders a sense of political will that they may not have had before in, 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 in being able to really be committed to change. And that was a big thing at, at the time. And so, you know, Florida has robust building codes. Uh, Miami-Dade is, is, is among the strongest codes in the, in the, the entire nation now. Uh, and they have a robust enforcement uh, process here in the state. And so Florida really does lead the way when it comes to wind engineering-based codes. Um, ICC and the IRC have taken a lot of cues from, from what goes on here in Florida. Um, but there's still a couple of things that I think are, are challenges that, that we uh, as, a, as a nation have to, to, to recognize. Um, you know, there is no national building code. There are um, over a dozen states that still don't have um, uh, a, a statewide building code. Uh, and there is uh, variability uh, of enforcement and what code may be used in, in different places. And so we still have some places in the United States that are using the IRC from 2006, and they're on 2021, getting ready to do 2024. So it is a, uh, um, you know, building codes do change. The science does tell us that we should be doing things differently. And, and so the the building code is a consensus building process, uh, and sometimes that can slow down the pace of change. And that's where Fortified sort of fills a gap. You know, we are a voluntary standard, so we basically take where the code is and we look for ways to incrementally improve its performance. Uh, and we give people the opportunity to make those changes now versus waiting for three, six, potentially even nine years down the road before something makes its way into the building code. 
Now, I, I know we have a very astute audience, so I want to make sure people understand. I know Hurricane Andrew was in 1992, but I'm suspecting when you were mentioning 94, yep. you may have been talking about the transition to period between the policies and the codes. Um, can people, just the everyday person who has a home or owns a home, can they opt in to Fortified somehow, or is it something sort of baked into the builder level? No, it does not have to be exclusively new construction, and, and that was a that was an intentional decision by by us as we were uh, looking at reimagining Fortified. The original version of Fortified, which uh, came about in 2001, was called Fortified for Safer Living. It was the perfectly insurable, the perfectly uh, mitigated home, uh, and it had to deal with every hazard that that house could possibly face, so wildfire, seismic, flooding, um, you know, internal fire losses, internal water losses, uh, in addition to hurricane and, and the like. Um, but we didn't really, it was focused only on new construction. We didn't really get a ton of uptake. And, and over 15 years of that program before I took it on, uh, there was only 400 homes that were built under that standard. And so we were reimagining Fortified and recognizing that there's a ton of built inventory that's got this risk. So how can we do something about those risks? And so Fortified, as I mentioned, is, is broken into three levels, roof, silver, and gold. And we did that so that it could be accessible to folks that are in existing structures, particularly when they're getting ready to re-roof. Uh, you can make a significant change to the performance of a home um, just by including some of the things that we do in Fortified when you are re-roofing, whether that's a result of a claim because of a, of a loss due to severe weather or just plain old wearing out and needing to be replaced. Because everybody, every home on some cycle will have to have its roof replaced, and that provides a, an awesome opportunity to make a, a meaningful change to its durability. So when we come back from our last break, I'm going to ask Fred about sort of some commonalities or vulnerabilities that we experience most often as homeowners. We'll talk about that after the break. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. I'm speaking with Fred Malik from IBHS. And you mentioned these various levels that you have within Fortified, but a question that comes to mind, are those levels sort of articulated based on the most common vulnerabilities yeah. that we see in houses? In other words, what what are the most common weather vulnerabilities that, that we as homeowners face, or does it really depend on where you live and what kind of hazards you face. Well, that's an interesting part of the, uh, of the way uh, we observe weather interacting with homes. It, it, the progression of damage is, is usually uh, very um, consistent, particularly when it comes to wind. Uh, you know, the, when we're talking about things like um, tropical cyclones or severe convective storms, derechos, tornadoes, uh, the wind impacts are remarkably similar regardless of where you are. And, and so, uh, yes, it, again, it was a very intentional decision as we, as we looked at the, the way the, the progression of damage works. We said, let's 
let's attack the things that are most frequently happening. You know, even at those lower wind speeds, you know, one of the things that, that uh, is also a fairly common occurrence is that we can start to see buildings suffering um, damage well below their design level. And, and sometimes that's due to, to material that just wears over time because it's weathered, like the roof cover, for example, and, and shingles. Shingles are still the most prolific uh, roof covering in the United States. Three out of every four homes have uh, shingles on them. And, and they also happen to be a, a, a material that does suffer the, the, the uh, uh, deterioration of prolonged weathering over time. And, and so as that material ages, its ability to, to resist the, the severe forces uh, also goes down. So we, we do have uh, um, fortified roof as the focus because 90% of catastrophic losses start with roof cover damage or involve roof cover loss. So if we can keep the roof structure intact, keep the sheathing on the trusses or the rafters, and we can use a technique called sealing the roof deck, which is essentially covering the uh, gaps in the roof decking with some durable type of material, whether it's tape or some other um, type of flashing, we can keep the water out. Uh, we can reduce dramatically the impact on the occupants. And it, whether or not the cover fails, it becomes a, a, a really a secondary factor. As long as that sealed roof deck is there and that roof deck is staying on, on attached, uh, the, the, the damage can often be, be managed w much better than if the water gets in. Once the water gets in, it can be significant. And, and just to give you the, the geeks on the, uh, that are watching us a, a little bit of frame of reference, when a roof deck, the bare wood that, that, that creates the roof deck becomes exposed, and if this, the, the gaps are not sealed, 60% of the water that will hit that deck will go inside the house. And in a situation wow. where you have eight inches of rain an hour falling on, falling on exposed roof decking, that's the equivalent of like nine bathtubs of water coming in every few minutes. A lot of water, and the, the house just simply isn't designed to resist that. Uh, you know, you get things like uh, ceiling collapses. Um, all your soft goods uh, end up being damaged. You know, that's one of the things that I see, uh, Dr. Shepard. I'm, I'm sure that you've noticed it too. But you know, once water gets in, one of the things that you see afterwards is everybody taking all their wet stuff and taking it out to the curb. And it, there is nothing sadder than watching somebody take their entire life and, and put it out at, at the curb when you know that that could have been avoided. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned some of those rain rates or those rain amounts, and some of those are certainly associated with hurricanes. But I can't help but think about just recently in your state in Florida, there in Fort Lauderdale, um, <laughs> a storm dumped, what was it, almost two over two feet of rain in about six or seven yeah, hours yeah, in parts of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So, the, yeah, these intense rainstorms. Now, is IBHS lobbying that these standards become part of policy or law? So we don't lobby. I mean, as a 5013C, we, we have uh, some, some restrictions that we have to adhere to, but we are certainly active partners uh, in the conversation when it comes to building codes. We, we participate in code hearings. We offer our subject matter expertise to uh, state, local, and, and national uh, stakeholders who are interested in learning. You know, we, we bring our science to bear and we, we share what we know. Um, the Fortified program even, you know, is not a profit center for IBHS. It is a it is something that our members want us to, to grow and facilitate uh, without necessarily having to generate revenue from it. 
Um, so it is a, uh, we do everything we can to keep the barriers to entry as low as possible because we want, really, we want resilience for all, no matter where you live. And, and I think the other uh, thing to keep in mind too is that while rain events are not unique to the coast, and hurricanes you know, are prolific in, in, in the Gulf Coast and Mid-Atlantic, you know, the, the changing climate is, is, is showing a trend for, for them to gain latitude. So we're starting to see them get north a little bit further. Um, you know, the, the hotter temperatures and the environment is soaking up more water. Um, and, and, you know, we're seeing a, 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 some concerning trends where the storms are slower moving and, and more rapidly intensify. And so those things are, are, are carrying impacts inland as well. And so, you know, people shouldn't um, become complacent just because they happen to live more than a mile away from the coast or, or you know, in places like uh, Minnesota or Iowa, uh, where derechos and hailstorms are common. And we, in the Fortify yeah. program, we provide, you know, wind guidance. We, we also deal with, with that hail risk, too. Yeah, I, I wondered about that. And I know even here in Georgia recently, we had some non-severe con, uh, non convective winds that were consistently over 40 miles per hour for four days straight. I mean, it wasn't related to any kind of tropical system as well. So definitely resonate with that. My last question is, are you involved in any other activities beyond the Fortified program at IBHS, or is that strictly your focus? No, Fortified is just one of the things that we do. We uh, I mentioned uh, the wildfire peril, and, and uh, we have recently created a, a sister program to Fortified called Wildfire Prepared Home, and we introduced that into uh, California um, uh, last year, and, and so we're, we're actively leaning in on the wildfire risk. And, you know, the other thing, uh, Dr. Shepard, is that, you know, there's a lot of folks that may not be ready to either build a new home or, or, or significantly remodel it or re-roof it. And we do have uh, a set of, of products on our website at disastersafety.org called the Hurricane Ready Guide or the Thunderstorm Ready Guide, Severe Winter Weather, winter weather Ready Guide. And those are practical DIY cost-effective things that people can do uh, that um, will help to mitigate their potential risk in a in a smaller way until they are ready to to do something like a, a bigger maintenance project like re-roofing. And uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that have been moving um, to different places, right? And we've seen a lot of migration into Florida. We've seen migration into Texas. Uh, we've seen migration up to the Northeast, and, and uh, those are folks that maybe aren't used to things like hurricanes. And uh, uh, so it's, it's really, a, um, we, we feel it's really important to provide guidance to folks so that they understand the basics of getting ready for, for hurricane season since we're right around the corner. You make a really great point there as we end. I mean, that, that, there's so many people that live in parts of the country that just aren't used to some of the types of weather hazards that they may have experienced in places that they moved from. And so uh, the fact that you're providing resources like that on your website, that's amazing. I know I'll be going to check some of them out uh, as well, and hopefully some of our viewers and listeners will as well. Um, you mentioned the website. Are there any other social media or other places that you'd like to sort of uh, point our viewers and listeners yeah, to? Yeah, so we have the disastersafety.org website, which is where the ready guides can be found, and, and also some more information about the research that we do for those of us that might be a little bit more interested in, in some of that kind of stuff. Uh, we also have fortifiedhome.org, which is where we talk specifically about the Fortified program, and, and uh, there. Uh, contractors and builders can find training on, on how to become a fortified contractor. 
uh, homeowners can find a directory of, of contractors and, and evaluators that are available to, to help them uh, fortify their home if they if they want to do that. Uh, we're also active across all the social media platforms. If you if you search Insurance Institute for, for Business and Home Safety or IBHS, you'll find us on uh, all the usual places. Well, it's been an amazing conversation. And again, thank you for being one of our first prototypes for the listeners and viewers. And those of you that uh, know Weather Geeks, I'm saying viewers these days. Um, hopefully you're still enjoying the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast as you're driving into work or home from work or working out, but we are also on the Weather Channel streaming app now on your smart TV and so forth. So uh, head over to streamtwc.com for more information if you're not familiar with that. Fred, thank you for joining us. But before we get out of here, it's time for the Geek of the Week. We like to highlight a scientist superstar, a great geologist, or weather weenie at the end of every podcast. This episode's Geek of the Week is Justice Mandel or Mandel. He is a meteorology student from New York City that loves everything about the weather from blizzards to hurricanes. Uh, like many of us, Justin has been a weather geek since before he went to elementary school, and he's been carrying that passion ever since. I relate to that story as well. Weather geek card since grade six. <laughs> Don't lose that spark, Justice. And if you know someone that would be a deserving geek of the week, be sure to check out our social media pages. Again, Fred, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Thanks for having us again, Dr. Shepard. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and we'll see you next time on Weather Geeks. Mm-hmm.